Good morning, Portico Church. Jason Connor, lead pastor, uh, joining you this morning. We're so glad that you could be with us. I want to introduce to you again one of my good friends. Uh, his name is Pat Collins. I'm sure that you've met him. Uh, his wife, Jenny, sings on the worship team even this morning. Uh, you may have been in their community group years ago. Uh, but Pat and Jenny have been at Portico Church literally since the very first day. Uh, back in April of 2010. So they've been here quite a long time. And Pat has been a part of our elding, elder training cohort. So he's been working for the last year and a half towards building up the skills uh, and all the things that are needed and the character working together with us. And it's just been a joy. And so as we mentioned last week, part of that is being trained in the Word and part of that is training us in the Word. So this morning we're going to hear from Pat Collins, uh, and it's going to be very similar in the vein that you heard last week uh, from Andrew Owen. That's That was kind of by accident. Uh, we'll just blame God for that. And God has something to tell us about weakness and about strength as we're moving forward into 2021. So open your Bibles, and please welcome Pat Collins. Thank you, Portico. Uh, first of all, Jason, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. But I can also say this is the last time you're going to hear from a trainee in a while, so you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, like Jason said, uh, my name is Pat, and I'm in elder training. I've been here since day one. Sometimes it feels like yesterday, and sometimes it feels like it has been 10 years. We've been through a lot of ups and downs in this church. Uh, we got here, my wife and I, when we were one year, we'd just been married a year. Uh, since then, we have two adorable little kids, two little girls, Lucy and Jolie, and we've kind of grown up, and we really, really do consider this church our family, and we're so thankful for it. So for today, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12. Um, I'm going to read the passage, and then we'll get, we'll get started. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our own bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your word. Um, God, thank you that you, you give us this gift so we have a picture of who you are. We have a picture of your character. We don't have to imagine it. God, thank you for your son. Thank you for what he did. And thank you for the way he models leadership weakness, and magnifies your strength. Amen. So, 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, he wrote it to the church in Corinth. And at that time, the church in Corinth was a mess. It was a disaster. It was full of dissension, false teachers. Um, it was challenging God's authority. It was fixated on worldly things. They really, it was similar today, actually. They really desired the same kind of leader that we desire. 
We want a strong, powerful, um, physically, physically strong leader with a presence about him. We want to know when the, we want to be able to feel when a leader walks in the room. When I was pre- preparing for this sermon, I really, I kept getting reminded of my grandfather. He wasn't a big guy, but he had a presence about him. It felt like he never aged. He was a salt of the earth guy. Uh, he was a military vet. He was just a strong, powerful man that everybody that knew him respected and looked up to him. He would have, he would have really been a legend in Corinth. Um, it would have been fun to see him back then. <laughs> um, by contrast, Paul was very, very different. So Paul wrote this letter in his 50s, which was incredibly old back then. He was imprisoned most of his life. He was beaten. Uh, He didn't look strong. But Paul had something different. Paul modeled human weakness in order to magnify his God's strength. So from in text today, we really see that in three different ways. Those are our three main points of the text. Point number one is Paul's weakness magnifies God's strength. Point number two is Jesus' weakness magnifies God's strength. And three, your weakness magnifies God's strength. So number one, let's start with verse seven. Paul's weakness magnifies God's strength. Verse seven reads, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So when in a little Bible study note, Whenever a sentence starts with but, look before it. It'll tell you what it's talking about. So if you look before it in verse 5 and 6, you'll see that the treasure is knowledge of the glory of God through Jesus Christ. So we have this treasure, and it's in jars of clay. What are jars of clay? So jars of clay back then was really as common and disposable as a cardboard box. There's really no there would be no reason to put anything sacred or treasure in a cardboard box or in a jar of clay. Nobody would ever think of it to do it. But Paul's very purposeful on that because God is special. God entrusted this treasure in ordinary people. We are those jars of clay. God knew that we would fall away, we would sin, we would rebel, and he still entrusted that treasure in us, the jars of clay. Paul's fascinating because he treasured this jar, or he treasured this, he valued this treasure more than anybody else in the Bible other than Jesus in my mind. He literally turned away from a life of power, money, control, fame, fortune, and he gave it all away because he wanted to share this treasure with others. He chose to suffer, he chose to, suffer to give others life. Paul demonstrated this because his work was dangerous. It's not like he was saying, he was shouting from the rooftops every, something that everybody else, and everybody else in that time agreed with. He was persecuted. He was at risk of losing his life at every turn. And that treasure was meant more to him than any persecution, any suffering that could, he could possibly imagine. He cherished the, go, the gospel so much that his circumstances were irrelevant. He just wanted people to have eternal life. So Paul wasn't the only one who shared this and lived this life. Jesus actually did too. 
So as we move into point number two, let's take a point, let's take a look at verse eight through ten. So this is showing Jesus' weakness maximizes God's strength. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So we wrote, we wrote our sermons in 2020. So I really felt like this was more of an anthem to 2020. Um, but let's take a look at it and reflect back on the year before us. So Jason really opened up the door and gave us the whole Bible and said, pick something. So normally I would pick a happy-go-lucky verse about love Jesus and everything will be fine, but the Bible doesn't really talk about that. So we dove right into the human weakness and suffering passage. So thank you, Jason. <laughs> But how many times in the past year have you really felt afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, exactly like these verses? But notice Paul's language. Those are all feelings that humans have. But Paul really flipped all that on its head. And listen to this adaptation. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, because Jesus was. Perplexed, but not driven to despair, because Jesus was. Persecuted, but not forsaken, because Jesus was. And struck down, but not destroyed, because Jesus was. Paul's talking about your weakness, but only because Jesus' weaknesses came first. Jesus' weakness is the primary principle in these verses. His weakness and sacrifice are the only reason we aren't afflicted perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. He suffered more than any of us ever will, and he did it all for our sake. Jesus' death was him becoming weak in human form to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus then rose from the dead and resurrected. He conquered the grave. There's nothing that I can think of that magnifies God's strength more than a resurrected Christ. So as Christians, we carry the death of Jesus every day. And it's not because we want to remain weak. It's because that when we're weak, we show how strong God is. God demonstrates his strength through Jesus in that way. Now we move on to the big one. Your weakness magnifies God's strength. So verse 11 and 12 read, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So these verses really touch on personal suffering. It's all been in human form, but it's all been Paul and Jesus up until this point. Now it's personal. Now Paul's talking to you. So as I was reading it, I just got angry. Um, I just kept having questions in my head of, God, if, why are you doing this to me? Um, thinking back to the times in my life that have been incredibly difficult. If you're so good, how can you allow this? Everybody says you love so much. What, what's the point? And then I kind of sat on that and slept on it for a day or so. And then I re realized one thing. 
All those thoughts were about me. They were all selfish. None of that pointed outward. I feel like that's what 2020 has really done to us. It made us, it made us try to fill a void any place we could find it, through a self-help book or retail therapy or anything you can think of. And we really have a chance in 2020, 20, 2021 to flip that on its head and really cry out to Jesus and depend on him. We know the stuff that we were looking for in 2020 didn't work. We know it didn't fill that gap. We know it didn't fill the void. You have a new year to really try something different. Cry out to the creator of the universe. I promise he will answer you. So that suffering is really personal. Um, and it's not, it's not because God's mad. It's not because anything. It's because we live in a broken world. And God will allow broken things to serve a greater good. We broke it. We sinned. And God allows and uses those, all those things, to really tie history together and all that's around Jesus dying and resurrecting on the cross. Or resurrecting from the grave. So earthly suffering, it shouldn't cause you to look inward. It should demonstrate your need If we didn't suffer, we wouldn't need anything. If we weren't weak, we wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need a Savior. But the suffering and weakness that we feel shows that we can't live perfect lives. We're broken. And it's the constant reminder of our need for Jesus' death and resurrection. So earthly suffering tends to come in many forms, whether it's illness, pain, financial stress, loneliness, broken relationships, And our response is to try to fix it. And if we can't fix it, we run from it. Instead of fixing it, really use this next year to cry out to Christ. What if you took a moment and to pause and cried out to Jesus in the midst of your suffering? What's God teaching you? How is your response to suffering magnifying God's strength? How are you serving others in your midst of your suffering? Because everybody's suffering, right? We're all together. I think another thing that we forget when we talk about our weakness is how personal it is. Jesus died for you. He didn't die for himself. He didn't die for random people. He died for you, specifically. It's not just a story. It's not just a fable. This is his, this is real life. This happened. If you're not a Christian, you have that opportunity to believe in that today. Jesus is always welcoming new children with open arms. So if you skip ahead to verse 16 and 17, Paul gives us a bit of shocking insight into suffering. Verse 16 and 17 say, Paul says our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. Suffering is real. Weakness is real. Pain is real. Illness is real. Paul's not, but Paul still refers to it as a light momentary affliction. 
He's not downplaying or ignoring your suffering or just telling you to suck it up. He's just putting it, he's highlighting the weight of eternal glory. Your eternal life through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is so weighty that any suffering you're experiencing on this earth will feel light. God is so strong that anything, we, anything is light. Our weaknesses really does magnify, magnify God's strength. So as my grandfather got older, he transitioned away from being that strong stone of a man, the invincible man I grew up idolizing. Uh, and he aged. And as he aged, he actually got diagnosed with terminal cancer in May. One of the blessings of COVID in 2020 was that we got to be, because everybody was working remotely, we all got to be together with him for his final month. He was staying at my brother's house up in Philadelphia, so we all quarantined together. And as my wife and I were driving up to essentially spend the last week, days, weeks, months with my grandfather, we were just kind of depressed and miserable. Um, this is a man that, I, he was my hero. He taught me how to do everything. He was fantastic. But we were all really surprised with what we found. Um, we found a man that was at peace. We found a man that all he wanted to do was talk about the gospel. Um, one of his final quotes to me was, everybody should be able to die like me. And that, will change, that changed my life forever. Um, I really got to see my grandfather's weakness magnify God's strength. Um, I kind of got to see Paul. I mean, I got to see Paul in action. My grandfather was a man that I never did a Bible study with. I never did, I never sang hymns with. I never talked about the Bible with. I just thought he was strong. But he, was, he had accepted Christ. He was at a point in his life that that's all he wanted to talk about. He wasn't interested in personal suffering. He didn't care. He knew where he was going. He was only focused on eternal life and getting to tell people about Jesus Christ. He had complete assurance and peace. Nothing this world can, can bring it. Um, so I kind of close for that reason. And I wrap up for that reason because he was 89 years old. It took him 89 years to get to that point. It took him 89 years to live in the freedom and joy that had been given to him by Christ. It took him 89 years to accept the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it really took him 89 years to lean into that weakness in a way that Paul and Jesus did and call us to do. He let his weakness become God's strength. We should let our weakness become God's strength. And there's nothing more that maximizes God's strength than salvation. So I urge you today, run to Jesus. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. I just urge you to not try to fix yourself. Be raw. God sees you. He loves you. He adores you. And he is welcoming you. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for today.
Thank you for your word. And thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for, for being the strength that we cannot be. Thank you for always pointing us to you. And thank you for always, always welcoming us with open arms. So God, we love you. We can't express that enough. And we're so, so thankful for the work you and your son did for us. Amen.